0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I've just seen so many of you. Where did you all come from? Oh, it's just our little private excursion now. Private, 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 nobody's allowed in. Mm. Okay, well, I have to just say that Tim Timothy Gordon, uh, he has something that has come up for him. Something pretty serious, to be honest, and uh, he can't be here tonight. It's part of my kick myself in the butt kind of a uh, moment because if it weren't for my queasy little stomach last Wednesday, this would have had a nice tight four-week bow put on the whole experience, and it was so smooth and so great. And I'm I'm sorry to say that Tim could not be here tonight, um, and and he really took this uh, this last two or three chapters he loved these last two or three chapters so um, hopefully he'll be able to pass along some of his thoughts and uh, and we'll get on with that soon but for now it's you and i we have about an hour together and what i think i'm going to do is i'm going to read through i'm going to read through the chapter The chapter uh, summaries from the book by David G Clark CS Lewis goes to heaven a reader's guide to the great divorce because these chapter 12 and 13 are so incredible it's especially chapter uh, and well chapter 14 the the chessboard vision no doubt but chapter 13 the struggle for Frank's soul But chapter 14, Sarah Smith and Frank, where you actually, you meet this woman now. You meet this woman who was obviously a doting wife and a person who led with love with a heart wide open, went throughout life, and she was attached to this heavyweight, down-dragging, tormenting kind of a husband. And Frank, the husband... Frank the husband is represented as a dwarf-like, carnival-like creature who is holding on to a uh, a larger tragedian. So a, a very, a very um, dramatic, dramatic, self-centered person, a character. That is attached to Frank who is slowly and surely shrinking away to nothing and as he's shrinking away obviously you get the you get the uh, um, you get the understanding that he is slowly disappearing from heaven and he is slowly choosing uh, his hell he's he's choosing hell because he won't let go of all of the insecurities all the insecurities all the manipulation all of the ways that he manipulated people on earth including his wife who has ascended to such a hero-like status in the short time that she has been in heaven that um when the when lewis is there with his guide he's there with his guide in the beginning he's, they see this procession coming into town and there's this this woman that they're celebrating that everything that there are there are bands and there's there's pomp and circumstance and and uh, and all the animals are are coming to to pay her homage to the point where Lewis believes could it be is this is this Mary and and even me I forgot I forgot because I haven't read this in a couple of years I said is this Mary and and uh, he's no no it's not her but it's just amazing how the most meek. I love that idea about how the most meek among us, those who just committed to having good lives no matter where that took us, whether it brought us to the highest of heights here on earth or if it just took us to a little bit of a, I don't know, an unassuming lifestyle that maybe we we could have wanted more but it never never, uh, impeded on us in such a way that we sacrificed character or dignity or duty to others and duty to God. I, I just love that idea. I Sign me up. Sign me up. I, I, I love that. It's a very comforting dream to have. And uh, I want to read this a little bit to you. It's only a couple of paragraphs for each chapter, so I think it'd be a nice little thing. And then I want to rely heavily on what you have put into this, uh, into the thread over here. And you know what? I could probably take some calls. I'm set up to take calls. It would be great to hear from people. And That would be nice since I am co-hostless tonight, and we're all keeping Tim in our thoughts Here we go Sarah Smith and Frank The discussion of lust and maternal love comes to an end when Lewis is distracted by light dancing Everywhere in the forest soon a wondrous sight indeed comes into view this elaborate introduction of the final fictitious person and her husband After the powerful account of the first and only ghost to accept the pain of sanctification in order to enter heaven is Lewis's way of signaling the climax of the journey. Accepting sanctification, that was the ghost that allowed the lizard to be killed and then the lizard became the horse and shot off like a comet. Something... And someone wonderful is approaching, and the descriptor the, the descriptive powers of Lewis reach new heights. It's true, it's wonderful. Wondering if he's seeing the reflection of water in another river, Lewis soon realizes a procession is approaching, a pageant of honor of a woman of inexpressible beauty. She may be clothed or naked, Lewis isn't sure since both seem true, and he finds himself unable to recall her beauty, which is, uh, which is his way of saying any description he could provide would fall short. Dancing spirits come first, then boys and girls, musicians and the lady herself. After her, a procession of men and women following by more animals than Lewis can count. Lewis is pulling up, uh, pulling out, quote, pulling out all the stops here, as he struggles eloquently describe, to describe her glory and beauty everything about that lady in her train is permeated with divine life quote if i could remember their singing and writing down notes no man who read that score would ever grow sick or old he says on page 104 to 5 and to astonishment of lewis MacDonald informs him that already there is a joy enough in the little finger of a great saint such as a yonder lady, to waken all the dead things of the universe into life. In this longest of all encounters, so important that Lewis divided it into two chapters, the focus is equally divided between a ghost, Frank, and his wife, the glorified Sarah Smith from Golden Green, from Golders Green, who was a nobody on earth, but one of the greatest in heaven. Frank is also a sight to behold, though for a very reason, a different reason. Uh, Who cannot be appalled at the pride, which can can look full in the face of heaven's beauty embodied in a loved one and still turn away? As Lewis watches them interact, he realizes that the real Frank is a dwarf who is leading on a chain of a tall ghost with a black hat. Searching. His memory, Lewis finally places him. He was like a seedy character of an old school, of the old school. Sarah ignores the tragedian, Frank's facade that represents his self-pity and speaks only to the dwarf who is having a difficult time coming to grips with Sarah's condition. Sarah isn't unhappy as he would prefer, hasn't missed him, and he has uh, as he had hoped. So he was hoping that Sarah would be like, oh, Frank, thank God you're here, I miss you so much. I miss you. I miss you and and he's becoming more and more despondent That she was totally fine without him and I love um, this description. Let me see if she gets there If she gets there, maybe she does anyway. I have it in the actual book. Here's the end Sarah isn't unhappy as he would prefer hasn't missed him as he had hoped and he takes He takes that to mean that she doesn't care she asks his forgiveness for all that she ever did wrong and invites him into the uh, into eternal joy. But he instead recalls the time she took the last stamp to write her mother. If only she had noticed his u- unselfishness. If only she had noticed how unselfish he was. Please praise me. Please praise me. Please miss me. Me, me, me. And he won't let go of this, this tragic figure that is representing all this manipulative dark energy that he carries around with him. The final blow to his ego comes when she tells him he is not needed. What needs could I have, she said, now that, all I ha- uh, now that I have all. What needs could I have now that I have all? I am full now, not empty. I am in love himself, not lonely. Now, that's the thing that gets you. When you realize she says, I'm in love. It's not even that she's saying, I'm in love with God. I Take it as she's in the physical. She's in the physical presence of love. She's in inside of love and Wow, does that wash over me like a warm blanket? That's just just an incredible thing there to realize where she's coming from and in that same respect It's you don't what what else do you need? You don't need anything else and, uh, and and especially, you're not going to be able to compete if you're still looking for earthly gratification of whatever you can yoke out of somebody through, through, through one arm-twisting, manipulative, emotionally Im- manipulative tactic or, or another. It's, uh, it's just great to see that. And still, she's begging him. And she goes on throughout all Chapter 13, begging him, don't go stay be here in love with me but it uh, Frank can't let go here's chapter 13 as the psalmist used uh, used the word Salah to invite his readers to stop and reflect Lewis takes the un- unusual step of abruptly interrupting the dialogue between Frank and Sarah by ending one chapter and beginning another the device works Lewis seems to be holding his breath to be holding his breath with his readers as Frank struggles against joy and, it, and is nearly overcome, because he's getting so small at this point where you can't see him. He's becoming smaller and smaller to the size of a, of, of, a, of a doll. And then he becomes, he's just dangling, hanging off the chain that is connected to the tragedium. And you're wondering, is he gonna disappear altogether and it becomes the size of an insect so you don't even see him on the chain. And shills still, still, Sarah is pleading with him, please, please let go, let go of this, and stay here with us. Sarah's joy and love, love storm, they storm the fortress of Frank's hardened heart. How can he possibly resist, you might ask yourself? Quote, For one moment, he saw the absurdity of the tragedian, but the light that reached him, reached him against his will. He will not stop trying to make others miserable by having them pity him. But in heaven, Sarah is beyond his reach. Everything becomes more and more itself. Here is joy that cannot be shaken. Our light can swallow up your darkness, but your darkness cannot now infect our light. That's how I love. That's what I love. I can't wait. I want a place like that. Down here. Down here, we get a lot of that. Everything becomes more and more itself. Here is joy that cannot be shaken. Our light can swallow up your darkness, no doubt, but your darkness cannot now infect our light, whereas the darkness infects our light down here all the time on Earth. It just infects it. It's why you can have an amazing day and then slowly have it sapped away from you. As she pleads with Frank to stop using pity to blackmail others, he shrinks until he is so small to be see- too small to be seen. Lewis isn't sure, but thinks that the actor swallowed up Frank, chain and all. Previously, he saw a grumbling woman who was in danger of becoming nothing more than an unending grumble. Now, that terrible possibility comes true even while he watches. Frank refuses to let go of his facade, and so Frank disappears, leaving only the facade. Since only the Tragedian remains, for the first time, Sarah addresses him. And Sarah says, I never knew you. Perhaps you had better leave me. The Tragedian vanishes, and Sarah returns to her company of bright spirits who welcome her back with Lewis's version of Psalm 91. Uh, There's more on that end. There's more on that end that I want to take from actually from the book. This is now into the final chapter, I believe. This is chapter 13. I do not know that I ever saw anything more terrible than, th- than the struggle of that dwarf ghost against Joy. Lewis was saying. But now he's going back and forth with his, uh, his mentor here. His, his leader. And he's saying, you know, well, why couldn't she have tried harder and, and other things. Here's a little bit of the dialogue that really hit me. She says, and yet, he says, and yet, and yet, I said to my teacher, when all the shapes and all the singing had passed some distance away into the forest, even now, I am not quite sure. Is it really tolerable that she would be untouched by his misery, even his self-made misery? You know, is, is it, is it, you know, how could she just be totally unfazed by it, especially when it was someone who meant so much to her down on earth? And then he says, Would you rather he still had power of tormenting her? He did it many a day and many a year in her earthly life. Well, no, Lewis says. I suppose I don't want that. Well, what then? I hardly know, sir. What some people say on earth is that the final loss of one soul gives to the lie to all the joy of those who are saved. You see, it does not, though, says the, uh, the teacher. I feel in a way it ought to. Well, that sounds very merciful, but see what lurks behind it. And then Lewis says, what, what lurks behind it? And this really got me. The demand of the loveless and the self-imprisoned that they should be allowed to blackmail the universe that till they consent to be happy on their own terms, no one else shall taste joy, that theirs should be the final power, that hell should be able to veto heaven. That is, that's everything. That is everything. Damn, man. I I, un- I underscored that and I just wrote, wow. <laughs> Whoever wins this in the raffle, they'll see it. I mean, that is just everything. Let's read it again. The demand of the loveless, and just think about how we, we, we do things over here on Earth. Of the loveless and the self in prison that they should be allowed to blackmail the universe. That they consent to be happy on their own terms. That till they consent, no one else shall taste joy. That theirs should be the final power. That hell should be able to veto heaven. And then he understand, well, he had a choice. Let go of it. Let go, but he didn't want to let go. And if that's the case, then fine. But you're not tracking your dirty shoes into the living room. You're not tracking your muddy shoes into the living room. You're not doing it. And that's That's where the line is drawn. We make a lot of concessions for people like Frank and his facade over here on Earth. But um, I wish we wouldn't. We make more and more concessions, which is why we're in such a bad bad place that we have to join people in their torment just think about the transgender stuff right now that we we are being more and more forced and influenced to join people in an inescapable hell of identity crisis and we're being told that our heaven even if it's just the heaven of our living room needs to be infected by their hell can't happen it's a, it, it's a wonderful lesson. It's a wonderful lesson. Uh, here's more. He says, I don't, know, I don't know what I want, sir, said Lewis. Son, son, it must be the one way or the other. Either the day must come when joy prevails and all the makers of misery are no longer able to infect it or else forever and ever, the makers of misery can destroy in others the happiness they reject for themselves. I know it has a grand sound. I know it has a grand sound to say you'll accept no salvation which leaves even one creature in the dark outside but watch that sophistry or you'll make a dog in a manger the tyrant of the universe. My God! Oh, oh to be able to write like this. (laughs) Wow! Oh to be able to write like that. You could say practice makes perfect, but sometimes it just flows out of people differently than others. Wow. Okay. Um, and then that goes into the final vision. The final vision is when you realize this is all a dream. It's one of Lewis's dreams. And there was an odd space where he came upon this chessboard and he's watching the, Im- the, the, the soul of people spirit spirits around a chessboard watching themselves on earth and um, And 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 that's where kind of time just Just bleeds in and out of each other So I'm just gonna read this uh, this short description and then we're gonna go into the thread and take some calls Let's see the chessboard vision As the music fades away Lewis finds that he is troubled by what he has seen the plight of Frank has not affected Sarah in the least And so he asked is it really tolerable? As she should be untouched by the misery even if it's a self-made misery and we go through this What we just said right now a lot of the same Quotes that I had uh, I had put aside are right here Meanwhile Lewis reaches the end of his dream He also uh, he also comes to the limits of his theology MacDonald earlier explained that Lewis was given this dream so that he could observe people choosing their eternal destiny But now lewis finds that freedom of choice leads to curious result if humans really do have that freedom and lewis believes they do he will not be able to find the answer to the ultimate question who will be saved some theologians already have decided in the end everyone will be saved but MacDonald refuses to confirm this position even though he himself had the reputation of being a universalist so why because if we know if we now know that all will be saved freedom to refuse heaven is gone in the same way mcdonald explains if predestination is true and only some will come uh, will, will be saved at the end of time then the freedom to choose heaven is denied to some for every attempt to see the shape of eternity except through the lens of time destroys your knowledge of freedom You cannot know the eternal reality by a definition. Time itself and all acts and events that fill time are the definition and must be lived. Lewis feels so strongly about this supreme human prerogative that he reinforces the explanation of MacDonald in words by means of a vision so that he can visually portray his theology of choice. He said the following, and we're almost done here suddenly all was changed i saw a great assembly of gigantic forms all motionless all in deepest silence standing forever about a little silver table and looking upon it and on the table where there were little figures like chessmen who were who went to and fro doing this and that and these chessmen are men and women as they appear to themselves to one another in this world and the silver table is time and those who stand and watch are the immortal souls of those same men and women So it's almost like we are watching ourselves. In the vision, the little chess pieces represented people in mortal bodies living out their earthly existence, doing this and that, while their immortal souls watch. Lewis and many others convey the same idea using metaphor of actors acting out their roles on stage while the real world lies concealed behind the curtains. No matter which metaphor is used, the point is the same. The real world, the real Narnia, is not the physical world, but the spirit world where immortal souls will someday go for good or ill Praise or judgment one of the benefits of prayer Lewis says is that it reminds me that this real world and Real self are very far from being rock-bottom realities So um, there you go I can't really add anything to that it was um it's a trip to say, oh, 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 okay, so it was a dream. It was a dream, but what a fantastic journey. And uh, a little bit more of a War of the Worlds kind of a thing ending at the end, or Day the Earth Stood Still, like one of those uh, final messages from Klaatu, who's like, hey, well, listen, the, the Earth can, uh, you can save the Earth if you change yourself now. But that whole idea of being on, it, it almost has like Mount Olympus vibes, where they're all watching. They're all watching the little people, the demigods, the, the, the mortals doing their thing and, and they are either pleased or disgusted or indifferent in different ways, but this time we, we are the immortal ones looking down at our mortal forms, are these shadows and dust as we are doing these things. Now my question here is, so what does that mean for the, the mortals what does that mean for the immortals who are watching their mortal selves do these things? If you're already in a place of heaven, if you're in the end looking down at yourself doing whatever, you, you know the universe, you know what's going on, you know how it's all set up. How does your mortal self passing away in any way, shape or form affect Whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. Wouldn't the immortal soul who has always been separated... Like, we all believe that our soul is, is inhabiting our bodies right now. It's living... It's it's contained inside of the... It's, it's contained inside of the barriers and the edges of ourselves. You know, uh, it's inhabiting this meat suit... It has all different types of sensory uh, tools and, and there's a lot of great things, that the biochemistry, it, it comes to life in a wonderful, wonderful mechanism. But we all know that there is a non-physical part of ourselves. That there's even been scientific study to show that uh, upon a person dying, there is a ever so slight reduction in weight, that there's almost like an, an energetic resonance that had, that had some kind of a weight to it even. We know that thoughts are things. That thoughts can actually make physical impacts on things. Those are non-physical things that make physical impacts. So... It's a little, I guess, uh, I guess it's just, uh, the right of the author. I would have to imagine to go and paint this this really incredible ending and and draw whatever conclusions and take people for a ride and ask them some final big open-ended questions about the the nature of life and the afterlife but um but I think that uh, in in real life I I mean in real life in earthly life earth life that we are right now I don't see how I think the soul where the soul is along for the ride for and 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 it could be corrupted. That's the only way that the soul can be corrupted is if it's inside of ourselves and we're going along for the same journey, right? I would feel like if Frank, me, my soul was watching me do this show and everything else that I do, day-to-day life, the good, the bad and the ugly. If it was separate from me, then uh, you could almost, as the eternal soul, say, "Well, listen, that's just the, the this idiot, this idiot side of me, this weak flesh thing. I know what I choose as the eternal soul. I'm, I want to go to heaven." So I, I don't know. I don't know about that whole thing. I think that we're we're all in one place at one time making choices, and the soul can be corrupted, uh, the conscience can be corrupted, and or it could be strengthened. And it it could be purified, and and you can do other good things to. To um. To make your time a little bit more constructive and 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 go toward that beginning, of the the concept and beginning of the book, and talking about how, however you prioritize heaven or earth is what you are going to find is going to dictate, how much of heaven or hell you find. If you put earth before heaven, then this place will have always been a hell. If you put heaven before earth, then it'll have always been a heaven so um yeah artistic end i don't know what i think about it but i still love the journey it was fantastic all right 912 i'm going to go into these these um some of these things here these entries that are over a week they're 2 weeks old now i'm so sorry about all that and uh and then we're going to take some calls and that'll bring us to 945 and we'll have a good time. And remember, for those of you out there, the number is 914-595-6953. And um, and you can actually start calling now. We'll take calls and I'll read through things and, and I'll, I'll just go back and forth. So there you have it. Um, I'm gonna go into the, the chat room real quick, see what people are doing. Hello, Black Orchid. Orchid. Hello, Arden. Great to see Arden. Uh, Great to see Jerry Dave Was it a forever stamp? I know I know Uh, If if Sarah knew how much the forever stamps Are now she might actually say You know what Frank you got a point Because I think it was on January 22nd The forever stamps went up to 63 cents Or something like that And you're talking about uh, That's a lot of money That's a lot of money Okay, Uh, Blue Ridge and Abraham Chambers. I love this book gave me a new understanding of heaven But showed how people who are unrepentant even at heaven's door will still not repent and let go of what's holding them back Yeah, you would think Abraham you would think that no matter what No matter what if you led a terrible life and all of a sudden it's at the end and you're realizing Oh shit, like you have that Willie Lopez moment from ghost where you're just dragged to hell you're just dragged to hell. Sam Wheat is there. Patrick Swayze is there watching. And it's just kicking and screaming, you're coming with us, you dirtbag. In the dark of the Bronx, or wherever the hell they are. And um, I would have to imagine that someone like a Willy Lopez, if they got to the end, they got to the end and they were given a choice. Okay. This is the path of salvation. And you have to do a lot of purification. Or this is the path to hell. I, I, I don't know who, who at that point doesn't say, all right, let's, let's purify. But again, how much of this world do we take with us? How much do we take with... How much of the residue of this world... Because uh, everything takes practice. Everything is you know muscle memory, as they say. The brain has muscle memory. You're telling me that doing something wrong over and over again to create these kinds of we we know about DNA. We know about the the structures of DNA and how that contains information from thousands of years of successes and failures. So why wouldn't the soul, which I believe is an actual metaphysical measurable entity, I just don't know how to do it myself. Um why wouldn't that carry some of the same kind of dirt that you track in from the muddy romp you just went on for, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 years? I don't know. There's there's something about that. Why, why you wouldn't choose to at least try. But then again, you know what? Quite a few people here did choose to try and only about two of them made it. One of them made it. Only one of them made it. You have to imagine that Lewis in his dream made it, but the other person with the the red the red lizard made it. Everybody else said, "I'll take hell." That's that's very human, don't you think? Uh, let's take a call. Let's take a call from Jerry. Jerry, what's going on?
1: How are you doing, Frank?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I see. I see your your. Uh, Your comment is actually the first comment on this thread, so I might as well just let you go for it.
1: (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I would not have read it if you'd not uh, suggested it in the, the, uh, you know, for for the book club. So for that, I'm grateful. And uh, I found it a fascinating book because I think anybody that's got any kind of consciousness at all wonders what happens next. And it was fascinating to see a great writer explore at least one possibility. And there were a couple of things about it which I was kind of expecting to read, but they never cropped up. I'm not being negative about the book, but one of the things that's always been in my mind about this moment of coming to a reckoning is that that you would be aware of the consequences of your own deeds on the earth. You would see how they had affected people around you and so on. And there was none of that in any of the characters in the book. None of them had any concept of, uh, you know, why they were where they were. Um, And I wonder if anybody else thought that because it seems to me that the, 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 the worst possible hell would be to see how much pain you would caused, how much you had damaged or stunted other people's development. Hmm. That didn't seem to come. So I, I kept wait, waiting for this moment where Lewis himself would come to a reckoning of his own uh, frailties and and see why he had started off in this hell. Yeah. And the other thing that wasn't to me, the other thing that wasn't clear to me was. How did they end up in the queue, you know, how did this notion of of Napoleon being a million miles away, pacing up and down going, "Oh, it's all his fault, it's all his fault. Uh, Well, at what point in the deaths of any of these people, in in their travel from Earth, I think it's described as, at what point do they find themselves near the bus stop, Uh, And how do they get there? What is it about them that gets them the opportunity? Because they don't seem to have any more self-realization than Napoleon does. Napoleon's stamping up and down there, blaming everybody, blaming countries, blaming generals, blaming allies and and enemies. But you've got people standing at the bus stop who seem to be just as kind of uh, unaware of their own deficiencies their own faults you know you've got the couple that pick up <laughs> that's a very strange part of the book for me right in chapter one i think you've got a couple and and lewis can't even determine what sex they are this is 1945 He's writing this but there's a couple that seem to pick each other up uh, you know they I, just step
0: it, uh, you know jerry when i when i think about it i i i tend to I I tend to just settle into the 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 line of thought that Lewis is just create is creating as many as many kind of diverse characters coming from all types of um all types of backgrounds hang-ups bad habits uh traits that uh, he's trying to put as many character traits as possible and just attach them to human forms so that the The reader, at least this is how I'm seeing it, because as I said, this this whole book for me has been about holding up a mirror to the face of humanity, especially the reader, because there's something in here forever. We've we all have held on to the rope of the tragedy. And from time to time, uh, we we've we've all been married. Sarah. Uh, for some people have treated us like Sarah some people we we've all known the the domineering parent or the neglectful parent We've known the uh, the person who is I mean obviously we are in such a perverse uh, Culture right now we know about the 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 woman who thinks that she can seduce a ghost uh, We know about everything that the the powers of uh, of the addictions and everything have over us, um, and then there are aside from the, the, the Napoleons, you had the, the painters, the very well well respected painters that went up to heaven, thinking that uh, they were going to get a special penthouse with all the special painters. So there, here's a person that didn't go out there and wage war, but was still in still it was still in a uh, uh, a deficient a deficient enough mindset that they wouldn't be able to grasp letting go of ego. What what Napoleon was trapped in was the hell of his own ego. Uh it, it seemed like even Napoleon it, it, from Lewis's standpoint would have been redeemable uh had he been willing to do the work and killing his own little red red uh red lizards. So um I that's that's where I come from. I I try I tried not to make too much sense as to um, where these ca- characters are and why they're stuck or well, how they ca- um, how they match up to other people, because I just assume that uh, Lewis was trying to create as many different angles on humanity as possible for the reader to see ourselves in, uh, in, in playing out or in a little uh, maybe aspects of ourselves playing out in different in different um, heavenly scenarios that that's what I just saw. Hmm.
1: Unfortunately, a lot of that was breaking up, but I think i got the gist of your point, which is, is essentially we, we were examining all the different kind of flaws that, that could uh, be the impediment uh, between our salvation, our redemption. Um, and it all comes down to, in my, my opinion, that all comes down to, uh, uh, as you say, letting go of ego. I, I consider it as detachment. You can, you can enjoy all the good things in life uh, so long as they are not, so long as you're not attached to them, you you, you can uh, glory in the beauty of of creation, like Sarah does. Uh, every animal she sees, she loves. Every person she meets, is loved. So that there's there's a, but that's not an attachment. She's prepared to let it all go and move on to the next thing. Whereas, the big guy wants his wants his uh, position. He wants to be top of the tree. Nobody can cross him. Yeah. Anybody who gets in his way, he'll bully. So I can see how, that, and, and to me, the, the common thread there is this sense of being able to enjoy creation without being attached to it, like an addiction, whether it's a sexual addiction, uh, addiction or a lust, uh, not a lust, say that, lust or a, a drug addiction or a power addiction or the businessman that's trying to take something from, you know, trying to lift up an apple to take back down below. Yeah, because it's re- and they will be able to make money off that because nobody else has one. Um, these are all attachments to material we are thinking, and they're attached to an ego, uh, uh, where yourself your your own individual self, is the biggest thing in your life, rather than the realization that you're just an ant, really, and uh, the best.
0: Well, I. I uh...
1: Oh, nice. let, let it all go, and appreciate your place in the scheme of things. But that was the one thing I found. I kept waiting for it to come up in the book. This appreciation of your place, and all the ones that, that got back onto the bus, they didn't seem to have any appreciation of even what the problem was. That that was the one major flaw for me. Yeah, but it's a thoroughly it.
0: I, I'm glad you bring that up because i i don't i don't necessarily want everybody to, if you love the book I want to hear about it but uh don't i for book club for this one and all the ones that are going to be coming in the future uh i i, I want people to feel totally comfortable with saying that something fell short for them or there was uh, a, an amount of confusion that they never could recover from that the, the, the it's just it's the, the, the logic is is too sporadic or it just it fell flat I, I don't care about any of that stuff and I know that you're not saying that any of it fell flat you enjoyed the book Jerry but i'm I'm glad that you came came to the table with some things that really didn't uh that that, that weren't as fulfilling uh that you don't think it went to uh greater lengths to truly really clarify itself and, and thanks for the call it was great to spend this 10 minutes with you
1: it was still a very stimulating book and it certainly provoked a lot of thoughts, but that, that was my overriding uh, bit that we kept waiting for But Well anyway, listen, let me let sure, somebody else on god bless.
0: Yeah, and thank you Thank you again, and make sure you li- listen back to uh, the phone call on the recorded episode Jerry Because I know that you said that I was breaking up and and um, and I'd like you to hear everything that I said So make sure you, you listen back to my response
1: I'll definitely do
0: that. Yep. All right. All right, brother. Thank you for the call.
1: All the best. God bless.
0: All the best. God bless. Yes. All right. So here's one from Sharon. There's And there's more people in the chat room that are, are putting some things in right now. Mary Jo says, how can anyone miss the feeling that this day-to-day life on earth is not what we were created for? I think we each get many glimpses of there has to be more. Yes. And that's one of the better things. Uh, the, the, the be- There's so many. Uh, as, as Sharon says in this next uh, entry on the thread, first of all, the artistry painted into the great divorce was magnificent. Nearly every page was a painting of imagery I'd never considered before. The book inspired me to clean up my life a bit more. That by uh, 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 by that I mean always be aware of an action that might I might take or say that would be different forms of sin envy gluttony greed lust vanity laziness or anger some of these sins in everyday life can happen so easily I've been on a journey the past several years probably the same journey many people finding their way back to God being raised Catholic and going to Catholic schools during my grade school years in the 1960s a time of great change in the mass and the garb of nuns and priests and by the time i was out of high school in the 70s i had done the same as many i let my faith slip away living life without thinking much about god in heaven and the sacrifices made too many years went by nearly 45 but then i started searching for answers within myself constantly contemplating turning to nature to heal from past uh past traumas in nature i found god again but through this book i began to understand that things can be put right um and uh and that got a lot of likes and people are agreeing. And I, I have to say, it was that part of the the author. Oh man, I would love it. I would love to see it just pop up for me here about the glimpses of heaven. The glimpses of heaven that we were given. Um and uh and whether you know some people who are able to put it onto a canvas, let's see. But I mean, you can see why someone like C. S. Lewis would have no problem creating of places like Narnia. I mean, here's another one. Here, here, here I just I wrote this in in uh, on page 46. It's just a, a beautiful little piece of something. Near the place where uh, near the place where the fall plunged into the lake, there grew a tree, wet with the spray, half veiled in foam bows, flashing with the bright, innumerable birds that flew among its branches. Its ro- uh, it rose in many shapes of billowy foliage, huge as a fenland cloud. From every point, apples of gold gleamed through the leaves. I mean, you're going through. I see everything, in a. In a filter of of um, I wouldn't say white because then it just it blanks everything out, but a very bright, heavenly cloudy filter where it is it is very bright, it is, but it, not not to the point where you can't make out things and you can't make out uh, the shine. The foam from these heavenly waters, a, a a a fall, a tree coming up, golden apples shining, slick from all the. I mean, it's I that is just so. Uh, that's just so. It, it just gets you. It gets me at least. I know it's getting a lot of you too. But um, when it comes to the the artist, how he wants to have his stuff, he wants to be able to paint heaven. And, uh, and and the, the ghost, the the spirit that he is paired with is saying, none of what you did on earth is needed here. It's not necessary. On earth, you painted glimpses of heaven for people. Now you are in the place. You're in the place, the origin point of where all of those incredible sunsets and sunrises came from, where you know the, the, the still lifes that you created, fruit in a basket, these little things that just encapsulate the beautifully diverse colorful nourishing environment, the world that we live in this creation of earth a waterfall a valley, a valley, a small mountain town, snow covered mountaintops it's just, those are the little glimpses I love that idea that those are the glimpses, you get the flashes of what what you're really plugged into and there's plenty to take you away from it, because the hell can veto heaven down here. Hell can and does veto heaven down here. Um, that's why the the good times just don't last. And then there's other things that we have to deal with. It it's hard to let go of things. hard to let go of good times, people that we love when they go. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a real it's a real. Shit show sometimes. Here's from Maria. Maria says, Sleepers. Let's see here. Sleepers awake, it comes, it comes, it comes. One dreadful glance over my shoulder I essayed. Not long enough to see, or did I see, the rim of the sunrise that shoots time dead with golden arrows and puts to flight all phantasmal shapes. Screaming, I buried my face into the folds of my teacher's robe. The morning, the morning, I cried. I am caught by the morning and I am a ghost. But it was too late. The light, like solid blocks intolerable, of intolerable, of edge and weight, came thundering upon my head. End quote. Maria continues and says, "The very end, the very end, and this section I loved. it spoke volumes to me, and the need for us to embrace God and our Lord and Savior before it is too late. Before I was saved, I thought that there was always time, and now I understand that light and calling, uh, and calling could come at any moment. And much like the main ghost, it will be a horrible time if we are still ghosts and don't know God's will and joy. Hmm some people responded to that and JSF says this is great insight of how each morning is a new opportunity for rebirth and to be with the light thank you and I think that's what you know I gotta say I think that's why bad days suck so much it's one thing to be pulled off track by one thing by any number of factors that can that can screw with your 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 vision for the day how you want work to go how you want to be able to balance work and a, a a good bit of exercise and a good little bit of reading and and your family and some good food and that you hit all the right spots and some days you're right on point. Other days, like yesterday, I had a, I had a, I had several flat tires yesterday, figurative flat tires. It was just no, 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 no. It wasn't yesterday. It was Tuesday. Monday night Monday night I got home My head is throbbing It was a tension headache I had not eaten very good that day It took me a very long time to get the show together To say what I wanted to say To make it all feel cohesive And I um, And because of that I, I said no I'm not eating I'm not eating until I get this right I'm not working out I'm punishing myself Over and over again Lauren comes comes in. Frank, why don't you take a break and go work out? Why don't you go outside a little bit?" I said I can't. Frank, do you want me to to make you something to eat? No. No, I got I gotta, I can't. D- punishing myself. And I do that a lot. I have done that a lot. I do it a lot less cuz I've I've regimented things, but but there're still days you get pulled off. And it's not just that you lost a day. Because this show went on. I got here at night. I had enough to say. It was a good show. We kicked off the week nicely. But I missed a day. That was a day I'm going to want back. That's a, Those are days that I'm going to wish I could have done a little bit different. To have found silver lining and knowing it all works out. To have eaten a little something. I still took time out to go play with Aurora. Nothing was going to stop me from doing that. But as far as taking care of myself and just feeling satisfied about the whole day man it's uh it all ties into experiencing joy and that is invariably divine and that is invariably God so i um I understand that you feel like, oh man, I really hope I can get this day back, and let's have a better one tomorrow so i uh i I appreciate that line of thought. Uh, Dyslexic angel says since reading the great divorce this message has been affirmed and shows that I am drawn to watch Uh, Example life on Mars BBC version and ashes to ashes BBC. I have noticed I'm being told the same thing embrace God wholly and Completely and fill your heart with love Hmm 938 we're making good time This is a great uh, great great book to have start off the year. I knew it would be that. It would be a quick read. It would be a colorful read. um, And it would be something that would be a a nice spiritual trendsetter for the rest of the year. Of course, ending with Godfather in quarter four is going to... (laughs) We're going to need Christmas after that. So, um, there you go. CC back porch, what's going on? Uh Graydon Sharp Hello Dave Williams for sure. Hello. Sharon, we've all had those days. We're all together on that one. Let's take a call. Three zero two, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Marion. Mary? Marion Marion, welcome to the show yes. So uh, I mean based on the time you may be the uh, you may be the final word on C.S. Lewis So wh- wh- what are you thinking? How was your overall experience? Lay it on me
2: um, I really like the book um, what I'm thinking about with the, the, the chest and the the spirits watching themselves um, with the chest, mm-hmm. chest, chest Um Oh, I think it was before we're born, our souls are in heaven, and we have a knowledge of what it is we're to learn and the trials we're to go through on earth, and so when we, our soul is in our bodies on earth, we still have a bit of that knowledge that we had when we were in heaven.
0: I, okay. I, can, I, can, I know what you're saying there, and um, I, I see the picture you're painting, and I, and I can see the picture that Lewis was painting with that too, but here's my thing. How do you, rec- how do you reconcile this? If you have a little piece of yourself or any kind of a uh, off-site extension of your soul that is still in heaven, that is seeing your earthly self that is carrying a good portion of your soul that has committed to yet, uh, to, to go on this mission down on earth knowing all of the, the 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 tests that need to be passed and all of the things to be experienced and and knowledge and experience to be gained um, how do you rectify or reconcile the earthly representation of yourself getting into such bad habits that it would it would ruin the chance of salvation even for that part of your soul that is still up in heaven like uh you know it, it's like from the heavenly vantage point, you'd be like, "I don't want to go anywhere. Why is my Why is my earth body, um, you, you know, engaged in you know, Why is he, Why is he dealing drugs and 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 ruining his body with methamphetamine and and uh, he definitely doesn't believe in God or he denounces God. You know, they're, they're they're you know, what about what about that whole thing? That's why I say. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Right. Because I'm not thinking of it as actually your soul physically still in heaven. That's more like a connection with God. Gotcha. We had that connection. We were in heaven. So we have that connection. We still have free will to choose. And having that connection with God and the soul being in heaven, it's almost like it's almost like your conscience. You know, you see the moves you're making and the choices you're making, and you're conscious will tell you you know this
0: isn't right this is bad and so one day and so one day uh it's either that your soul here on earth in your body on its journey either chooses to cut any kind of connection with heaven or at least to stuff it away because how can you really totally sever it uh to just stuff it away and repress it in in uh in the in the um the pursuit of putting earth before heaven that's one thing that it can do or it can do the opposite and it can maintain that connection and grow it and then just experience earth uh with that with that added pleasure of knowing that it was god that created all this for you and you have then put heaven before earth and and therefore have kept that uh, that doorway to the afterlife open in a, in a big way i can see that
2: correct correct and that's that's why Lewis, that's why i thought that too that like napoleon was so far away from the bus because he was losing more and more of that connection to god mm. those that those that were more connected to god were further to the bus and took the bus up
0: and even at that in, in even that respect it um, wasn't it wasn't that, it wasn't that um, Napoleon or people like him were officially cut off, that they, there was no, there was no piece of that original spark of creation in them. It's just that after so many denials, you are talking thousands of years and millions of miles of traveling now to that bus stop. That maybe, uh, that maybe that maybe that that percentage of you that is is still um, housing that's that that spark of divinity from God upon your creation, it might have been whittled down to a infinitesimally small uh, percentage. But it would never, ever be snuffed out that you you might be millions and millions of miles away and thousands of years of traveling. And you might put yourself in an in even deeper hole than that by the time you're all done. But it just means that your your way back to the table would just take that much longer. Not that the, the seat is not still open.
2: Right. I agree. Right.
0: OK, I, I see you, you, you took me down uh, a good train of thought there. Mary and I, I really appreciate this call. I, so you enjoyed it. Is this your first book that you read along with us?
2: No, I also um, read Malachi Martin's Sweet House.
0: Sweet. Are you? Are you going to? Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I love that, and I love the book clubs. Um, I think it's, it's it's great. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing it.
0: Me too, because. I get, for for I love doing things with people and creating more value for those those out there who are enjoying the show. and i want to I want to make more I want to make the show about more than just the seven o'clock. And I want to keep expanding those things. But it's from a personal standpoint, I knew that the that the the best way to light a fire under my ass and read a couple of books at least a year would be if I were beholden to other people to read the books and had to do this and I like it. I just hope that it rubs off and that in between books I'm firing off little tiny books and other things and and I'm just reading more. I'm hoping that that's the the fire it it ignites. Are you going to be reading Brave New World with us?
2: I've already got it and I'm telling you this has worked for me too because I'm reading more books now that with the book club. Um, It's kind of like I can't exercise at home. I have to go out somewhere to exercise. This is helping me also.
0: Wonderful. I know exactly what you mean. When you're home, there's so many ways you can have a great workout right in your living room, and you don't need any equipment whatsoever. But good luck. Good luck telling me <laughs> on a cold day that, okay, we're going to do, do one thing or another. I said, okay, yeah, right. That's why I had to go outside at least. Marion, thank you so much for closing this out with me. You're, you're, you're a wonderful call, and I'm glad you're going to be following us into March.
2: Okay, thanks. Have a good evening.
0: All right, you too. All right. There's a lot more here. Kenny in Cleveland. What I was stuck with was the overarching lesson of perspective. Many of our, character, our characters we encounter in this brief story seem to be lacking perspective. And to me, it has multiple layers. Living selfishly, lacking the bigger picture, even when it's presented to them plainly and their spirit guides. They still cannot grasp their action and leave their earthly behaviors behind for the greatness and perfection of heaven. In reading this from the Catholic Christian viewpoint, we are taught to be in the service of God first in the service of others. In ourselves, Our na- narrator is made to see this every step of the way, not just reflect this on perspective of how our actions itself on earth and our li- affect us on earth in our lives, but also what we are prepared, what we are to prepare for in the kingdom of everlasting life. I thought it was beautiful to present it in this way. You know what a great way to look at it? Cause obviously a book like this is not a testimonial of what it's like to go to heaven. This is a man who's writing um, a, a, a a a piece of fiction, and even in that piece of fiction, it is a dream. But if you think about this, yeah, perhaps if this was real, perhaps this would all be. Like I said, it's a it's a cautionary tale. And it's a little bit more of an invitation to reflect on the things that we trip ourselves up with all throughout our lives. So in that respect, maybe it is impossible for the Willy Lopezes, the dirtbags of our time, when they actually see the choice between sanctifying oneself, cleansing oneself, and taking the journey to redemption or hell, Maybe it is a little bit likely if there is a choice And if it isn't just that you are judged on the time the short amount of time you had here and you had your shot and that was it Because that's scary as hell Um, And I I don't like living in that kind of that kind of fear then again, I'm not a murderer I don't I I don't I don't steal from people. I don't uh, I'm I'm not in you know, but but still I'm not a saint I'm not a saint, I, I, so you just wonder. You just wonder. Still, like I was saying though, what this all plays out for is not a matter of just speaking on behalf of how heaven is. It's a little bit more of a Judge Judy, a Judge Judy kind of a uh, exercise for us here still on earth. Where, you know, if you tune into a Judge Joe Brown or a Judge Judy or a Judge something else or whatever, all those television judges, you have these people that are so like oh my god they're so thick they can't they can't admit that they were wrong shaking their heads they're not letting it go they're not letting it go even when judgment is passed down they're whole they're on the outside of the courtroom and they're talking to the court reporter and be, and, and and sticking to the, no oh, no it's not my fault it's their fault i'm, I'm going to fight this blah, blah 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 that's really what this is all about this book is about television daytime television court shows I'm sure that when you're facing eternity in the uh, in the it, it, you know you're facing eternity a lot of people you know they, they say that, that old that old um, saying that there, there's no atheists in foxholes well um this is really just about hey yeah the, the these people don't have perspective over here because they're not actually real people. Their characters I created in a heavenly environment that mimic the absolute stubborn, infuriatingly stubborn nature of humanity, as we see all around us every day. So with that, uh, keep jumping in on this thread. There's plenty more here I could not read. It's two full pages, but wonderful perspective. Thank you for taking this journey with us and Tim Gordon. I'm thanking you on behalf of him as well, especially for all Tim Gordon's people who are here with us. Oh, these went out. Must be well past 930. I didn't even notice this. They go off at 930. I got to go. But thanks for everything. And we will do Brave New World starting in March. So go ahead and get it. And, uh, and tell your friends. Tell everybody you got to join the Quite Frankly Book Club. How do you do that? Just become a small monthly sponsor. Pick the smallest one you got and just be a part of it. I'll see you all soon. Thanks for everything.